Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very important episode of Wonderfilled Week. I am your host, Caitlin Corey. I have always prided myself on being a kind and respectful person who wants good and tries to use my platform to inspire, to help unite people, and to share stories of real people who have overcome real obstacles. But I have done you all a disservice. I have fallen short and not prioritized a conversation that needs to be had and should have been had a long time ago. Race in America. I have always thought it was enough to be a quiet, non-racist person who respects all people and who has friends from different walks of life. But I have learned that in a system that has been built on racism and oppression, it is not enough to be quietly non-racist, but rather I must be vocally anti-racist. What I mean by this is I need to do I need to not only be the change I want to see, but challenge others to do the same as well, and not sit idly by when they don't. The recent murders of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd, among many others, have ignited a fire within me, a fire that has never extinguished in the black community. This fire has been burning deep within this community. They have been begging for people to listen, begging for an end to these senseless murders, begging for justice, and their cries have fallen on deaf ears. I no longer want to be a pair of those deaf ears, but rather want to open my eyes, extend my hands, and use my voice to join their cries and amplify their voices. In short, I want to be an ally, not a performative ally who posts a black box on Instagram one time or shares a few pieces of art created by black artists during Black History Month. I want to be a true ally, and in order to do so, I have work to do. I need to stop in my tracks, truly listen, and really learn. And in order to do so, I have to have conversations with black people, read books written by black authors, and do some serious introspection about white privilege and how I can actively work to recognize all that this privilege has provided me and how I can use this privilege to actually help. Today, I want to take the first step. Today, I welcome my dear friend, Lexi Mack, a woman who I have known, loved, and respected ever since we met back in 2013 when I started nannying some of her younger siblings. Lexi and I have a lot in common. We both love the same children. We love music, yoga, Pilates, travel. I have never even taken the time to realize that while we love so many of the same things, we are not the same in many ways. We approach the world differently, and the world approaches us differently. Not realizing this is a perfect example of white privilege I am trying to recognize and dismantle. I have invited Lexi on the podcast today so I don't speak for her, but rather allow her a platform to use her voice and share her experience and hopes for the future. Before Lexi joins us, I want to leave you with a powerful message from Tabitha Brown, who you can follow on TikTok for more encouraging messages on being quick to judge. In a world where we are um, quick to judge, right? And as we are all trying to change our life perspective, let us no longer be quick to judge. 
Let us start being intentional with being quick to love, quick to understand, quick to listen, quick to uh, be helpful, quick to make a change, quick to speak up when things are wrong, quick to sometimes be quiet. Let us be mindful of what we're so quick to do and make sure that whatever it is that you're quick to do is meaningful and it is done in the right light, okay? Uh, because we can make a world of difference with the things that we're quick to do. Oh, yes, it will. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. Cause I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know. Lexi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Welcome. Of course. Thank you. Um, So I said a little bit, you know, briefly in the intro about how we know each other. Um, I have the privilege of um, being a nanny to some of your younger siblings. It has been such a blessing um, ever since moving to California. It's one of my biggest highlights of living here, honestly. Um, They're really, I consider your family to be my family out here, um, where I am 3,000 miles away. So I'm al- I've always been very grateful for you and your entire family. Uh, so I want to thank you for that. Um, and I just think, let's get into it. Do you want to give us everyone a little intro into who you are, and then we'll dive in? Yeah, of course. Well, first off, thank you so much, Caitlin, for having me. I'm glad um, we get to have this discussion, and it's with somebody you know that I trust, and um, I feel like it's going to reach a lot of people. Um, But just to give a little background about me, um, I'm 26. I graduated from Cal State uh, University, San Bernardino, where I played basketball for four years. Um, Loved every minute of it. Um, You know, that was probably like my first love. Um, After, you know, finishing college, I was kind of like, you know, I don't really know what I'm going to do. Um, So I dabbled in like financial services for a little bit. Um, I loved the culture there. Um, I also am super passionate about yoga. I ended up getting my um, 200 hour certification actually. And it's just, it really changed my life, honestly. Um, I've coached before, I coached basketball for um, two years. Um, so I've, I've done a few things. Currently I'm a marketing assistant. Um, you know, a lot of things having to deal with social media um, and kind of just that digital content and helping with that content curation. Um, and I also am newly engaged. I got um, engaged in February to my wonderful uh, fiance, Lily. She is currently studying to become a chiropractor. Um, and she's actually so much um, involved in her school community. And she's, you know, trying to drive real change for black students, you know, for where she's at. So, you know, we're both kind of, we're both kind of trying to push for, um, you know, these movements. Absolutely. And congratulations on both uh, finishing your yoga hours and on your amazing engagement. It was so cute. I'm so glad I was able to see it <laughs> caught on camera. <laughs> Thank you. Lily did very well. 
He did. Oh, I'm so proud of her. <laughs> so proud. And I can't wait for the wedding. This is going to be the wedding of the year. If we ever get out of quarantine, that is. <laughs> I know, right? We'll see. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So something that you mentioned that jumps out to me is that you are big on social media. Um, you do use your platform very well. And, you know, that was one of the reasons that I, I reached out to you initially um, to come on the podcast. I actually have, I think, uh, the tweet here that if you don't mind me reading the tweet, um, and you guys can follow Lexi too, at Lexi Mercedes underscore, but of course I'm gonna tag everything in, in the bio of this episode so it's easy for everyone. No need to, I mean, take notes, but no need to physically take notes if you're in the car. It'll all be in the bio. We're not letting you off the hook without the info. So the, t- the tweet that you had put up that you know really touched me and, and right after I exed I exed out of Twitter and went right into texting you. You said, it's so hard watching the blatant racism and disregard for black lives in these videos. Every day, we are witnessing our people murdered. We are screaming at the top of our lungs and no one listens. Painful. I'm so sorry, George Floyd. And I just, I could hear your voice. I know you, you know, I could hear your voice. I know how passionate you are. And I said, oh my, Lexi's hurting. And that's just, you know, that's one person I know. And she's hurting and she's been hurting this whole time and we've never discussed these sort of things. You know, it's always travel or yoga, Pilates, the kids, like very surfacey things. And you know, those are great things and they are things that bond us, um, that we have in common. But to see someone that I've known for years saying this and begging, you know, saying that you're screaming at the top of your lungs and you and your entire community, it really touched me and it hurt. And I said, you know, we have to, I have to do something, you know, I have this very modest platform, so small, growing, hopefully will grow. Even if this reaches a few people, and even if this turns a few people off to do a topic like this, then I didn't really need those listeners anyway. Um, I want to create a community here that's going to be open-minded, that's going to be willing to learn and do the work. Um, so let me ask you this, when you use your social media, do you ever have any fear of backlash, anyone saying anything to you, losing friends, losing followers, or do you just go full force ahead and just say, this is what I believe and stand for, and this is it, take it or leave it? Yeah, I'm very much like, this is how I feel, you know, I'm going to use, just like you, I'm going to use my platform to speak for what I believe in. I'm very strong in my beliefs. Um, and, you know, I have to put the action and the work behind it. So, you know, on social media, I'm very blatant. I'm not worried about, you know, what people are really going to say or if they're going to, you know, disagree or agree with what I'm saying. It's it's not about that. It's about me having a stance, uh, you know, you know, for equality and standing firmly behind that. And people who don't, you know, align, align with those beliefs or don't have those same beliefs, you know, there, of course, there's, we can have dialogue and, and it can be an open conversation. But at the end of the day, you know, if if my, you know, if my people's lives aren't as valued as your people, you know, then we're not. It's, you know, I can't. There, there's nothing more for me to do from there, you know. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right, because what, what I do love and appreciate appreciate about you Lexi is that you are willing to have these conversations you know I've been talking with my husband family members we've had some you know tough conversations about recognizing what's really going on I you know I spoke to my parents and said you know you've always raised me to be um, loving to be kind to be respectful of others but I think there's still some things and even more work we can do to recognize that the system is broken and that and you know sometimes people that age not necessarily my parents, but you know, many people that age in that generation don't want to hear that. They don't want to face that or believe that. 
and you know these are like you said action and you and you have to have these conversations and what I like about what I love about you is that you're willing to have them I have other friends other black friends who are also using their platform there's and I feel I can feel their anger I can feel their hurt and pain and right now some of them are not willing to have a conversation they just really have to get out how they're feeling and I completely understand and respect that but when I approached you I said you know Lexi is open-minded she is a peaceful person I know that you know you take the things you learn in yoga and like being calm centered collecting your thoughts and, and being open and I appreciate you you know I said it to myself, I say it all the time, I'm going to make a million mistakes, I'm going to fall short, I'm going to come up short, even in this movement, I'm going to say wrong things, I'm not going to get it 100% right, I don't think anyone does, um, but I'm going to try, and I'm going to try and fail and then try again, and I'm just like, um, you know, long after this is a quote-unquote trending topic, I really want to work to, to be an ally and to be a person who is, you know, working towards the movement of change, so I just want to thank you for being that open-minded person to, to let me be me and make mistakes and say stupid stuff and get it wrong. <laughs> of course, you yeah. know, I appreciate the opportunity to, you know, help you. But, you know, in return, I, you know, you help me understand, you know, your, um, I guess, perspective, you know, that way I, I can, maybe I can explain it to you a little bit differently that way that you can relate to it or that you can, you can find this understanding, this deeper understanding for yourself. Well, I appreciate that. And it's nice to have a person that I can ask these questions to. And you know I'm coming from a place of wanting to learn, not from a place of judgment. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. But I think in order to better understand, if you don't mind, like, can we go a little bit... I want to, of course, get into, um, you know, the things that are currently going on in 2020, but I want to take it back a bit, if you don't mind. I want to look mm -hmm. at sort of growing up. Now, I know your mom. I don't know your dad. Um, I have never met him. I've never had the privilege of meeting your dad. But what did it look like, you know, when was the first time your parents had to have a conversation with you about race? I mean, it's it's very early. It's probably it's probably as early as, you know, six, seven, eight years old, you know. Um, it's... It's just, I just remember, you know, you're always, you know, you have, your parents sit you down. And in this case, you know, it was my mom and um, TJ. And, you know, they sit me down and they, they talk to me about how, um, you know, as a black woman, you have to carry yourself in a very respectful and nice way so that people don't perceive you as something else because there's already this you know, this kind of stereotype attached to, you know, you know, black woman, black women, you know, the angry black woman, you know, and, and that was very apparent to me at an early age. So I always kind of was overly nice and, you know, made sure that I wasn't, um, you know, overly confrontational, or I didn't make people feel uncomfortable. Um, because of, you know, basically the color of my skin. And so that they wouldn't already have this idea of who I was you know before I even opened my mouth there's already you know an idea of who I am and you know what I'm about before I even have a chance to speak yeah and it's so sad to think you know these conversations are happening at such a young age and, and you know that age should be carefree that age should be just being yourself whether that is loud, quiet, or sassy, mm -hmm. or whatever it may be, without having mm -hmm. any sort of like hundreds of years of preconceived notions attached to it. You know, putting that on a six, seven, eight year old kid seems so unfair, but 
And that's just my perspective. It is unfair, of course, but it's your reality. And it's the reality of black people across this country, to be honest. And so it's just, you know, it's heartbreaking, but we can't just sit here and say, oh, that's sad, that's hard, that's heartbreaking. We need to do something about it. We need to work toward changing those preconceived notions so that maybe one day you don't have to have those conversations with children, or maybe it's just teaching all children to be kind, to be respectful, but not, you know, have to have those extra conversations. Now, I know you have brothers, and I'm sure, you know, your parents mm-hmm. have had to have conversations about what to do if you get pulled over, you know, because then that's a whole other thing. Of course. Now, did you have to have those conversations Absolutely. as well? Um, I didn't necessarily have the conversations about being pulled over. Um, I, I honestly think you you understand it regardless, um, you know, kind of if somebody is explaining it to you or not. Uh, you know, you see it in the news every day. Um, you know, you see black men are racially profiled, um, you know, black women as well, you know, minorities in general are, you know, racially profiled. Um, and it's just, it's something that is like an added kind of pressure and added something that's just added to your plate as soon as, I mean, for me, I live in California now, you know, and for me, as soon as I step outside of my door, but for some people, they can be in their homes and it's still not safe. So, you know, it's it's really about starting to have the tough conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm more of kind of like more cutthroat where I'm like, I, I will have the conversation, but for only so long, at, at some point, you're not going to get it. And I... I'm kind of that person who will remove you from, you know, my life because I just don't want to be around people who, one, don't care about, you know, my culture and my people, and two, that kind of bring down my energy because ultimately my energy is what's most important. Absolutely. And another thing we share in common is, you know, wellness and mental health and protecting that at any cost. And where you're explaining, you know, hundreds of years of, um, you know, these feelings and, and this battle that you're in, I mean, you can't add into your life people who don't want to learn, people who don't care about you, people who mm-hmm. don't respect that oppression or, or recognize it and, and, you know, admit that it's there. You, you can't. I mean, mm-hmm. it's already an uphill battle as it is. You can't have people in your small circle who are going to you know, just disregard what you're saying or not care. So I can see you being cutthroat. So I mean, true. I think there's no nothing less left to do but be cutthroat. I mean, you can't really be wishy-washy with these sort of people. Have you ever experienced racial profiling? Yeah, I, ha- I have. Um, there have, I mean, you know, uh, this goes for, I'm, I'm sure, majority of, of Black, you know, Americans, you know, it, being in the store and, you know, kind of just being followed around or, you know, it's just, it's just those little incident instances that really weigh on you, weigh on your heart. You know, it may just be one incident, but, you know, it happens over your, you know, over your lifetime and it's going to weigh on your heart. I've also um, unfortunately had instances, you know, um, in other countries uh, recently when I went to Italy. I actually had an instance where uh, me and my younger brother, Royal, we went out to the club. Uh, We were going to go to the club, just me and him. And, um, you know, we got there, we waited in line and we got to the front and they said, uh, they said something about Royal's clothing. And so we were like, okay, um, well, you know, we'll go back and change. They'd said nothing else. They were like, okay. I was like, so if we go back and change, 
um, and we come back, we'll be able to come in. And they were like, yes. And so we went, we walked back to the hotel, um, and then we walked, it's royal changed, we walked back to the, um, the club, um, the nightclub, and waited in line, um, approached the lady, and, you know, she proceeded to tell us that we, you know, we weren't on the list, so we weren't able to get in, but I see her letting, you know, fair colored skin, you know, individuals in the club. And then we saw there was another group of, uh, you know, darker skinned, um, you know, a group of people. And, you know, they weren't allowed to go in the club either. And it's just instances right there where it's just, it's very apparent, but, you know, who's really cares, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's like, it's heartbreaking, but it's infuriating. And that's, you know, why we need to have these conversations. And that's why these things need to happen because I mean, Royal's so young and it breaks my heart because I've known him for so long from when he was even younger to think that, and you want to protect them from things like that. I, I hate that that happened to both of you. Um, but especially where you're older, I'm like, I know Lexi can handle herself, but it's heartbreaking to think, you know, Royal, at a young age and and they tried to make an excuse and they didn't outwardly say it but they put you through the whole trouble of going mm-hmm. back and you came back they probably just thought you wouldn't come back and then you come back and they're right. still that adamant mm-hmm. and it's like disgusting yeah it's nothing less than disgusting. yeah it's, yeah, yeah it's it's yeah it's everywhere i mean you know from you know being called the n-word it, there's there's instances where it's very apparent and then there are the kind of subtle instances that when you look back in hindsight you're kind of then you kind of realize you know maybe when you were younger you didn't understand it then but you know looking back it's like you know it was it's everywhere it's everywhere and I think that's the thing that a lot of people aren't willing to admit um, especially white people, I think they think, no, I, I mean, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. And it's like, well, you wouldn't see it happening. It's not happening to you. And, you know, but you have, it's one of those things. And I said it in the beginning of this episode, you know, you can't just be non-racist. We have to now be actively and vocally anti-racist. And it's one of those things where now the people's feet are going to be to the fire. Are you going to be the kind of person who is willing, even when it's hard, to call mm-hmm. it out? If it's your friend, if it's your family member, exactly. I mean, this is the real test, and I think we're going to see now who the true allies are, you know, and who's willing to do the work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's truly. I think it's truly like I like I mentioned before. It's truly just an unveiling. You really are seeing people's true colors, and you know, you you have to listen as well, and you got to make the necessary changes. You know that are going to benefit your own individual life and and ultimately create equality and better situations for people, um, you know, who don't have as much as you, who aren't in as privileged situations as you. It's such a privilege even for you and me to be able to sit here and have this conversation because we're still here. Mm -hmm. You know, we haven't been, um, you know, you know, experienced police brutality to those to that extent so even for us to be talking about it is a privilege and i think that you have to understand your privilege at every single level yeah and that's true because i think you know i'm only thinking of it up here right now the big privilege like white privilege and using your voice but you're right it's like you have to break it down every day and and like really do that work to look inward and say you know the fact that i can even do x y and z i'm thankful for that you know go to gratitude and say 
you know, I'm still here. And as long as I'm still here, that is a privilege and I'm going to keep fighting. And I think now this is like hard to admit. I think, you know, when I see this has happened, feels like millions of times. Um, but even just, you know, since we've had cell phones and since, you know, the police brutality and the, the murders of these innocent black people in our country, sometimes for me, they felt very far off, like, oh, that happened to them. Like, that's so sad that that happened to mm-hmm. them. But they feel like someone else, somewhere else. But now I'm like thinking, like, you know, you're at the protests and the kids that I, we both mm-hmm. love are at the protests, and I'm thinking, that could be them. That could be people I know in my world. Mm-hmm. And I think when you think of it that way, it changes like from like something happening somewhere else to this could be happening right here with the black people that you know and love. You know, these aren't just some people, some made-up story, some movie, some fiction. Those were somebody's friends and family. And I think when I really like think of that, it, it not only breaks you, but it really ignites that fire in you and really opens your eyes to say, well, I don't want it to be Lexi. I don't want it to be TJ. I don't want it to be the people I know. So I have to stop it from be. I have to do what I can to help stop it being everyone else. Because you just don't know, like you said, you know, you go to these protests and you're in this similar position to some of these people who have, you know, have paid the ultimate mm-hmm. price by being murdered for just speaking up for themselves. And, and some of them not even so. I mean, some of these murders, like Brianna Taylor, she's just home sleeping. I mean, it just makes no sense mm-hmm. how there's no justice for these it seems like black and white, like cut and dry, like it should just be simple. She was murdered sleeping mm-hmm. at home, and that should just be like a quick and easy done. But th- the fact that it's not light, that shows you how broken the system is. And that's really where the change Absolutely. needs to come. And it is, it really is. Um, I mean, for me, it's so close to home because, you know, the the week that, you know, the protests broke out, you know, you talk to multiple individuals because, you know, you want to, you want you want support and you need kind of to come together with your, you know, the people who share those experiences with you. And it's, you know, I talked, I talked to my uncle and, you know, he's experienced it. And, you know, my dad has experienced, you know, you know, police brutality and just racial profiling and it's people, you don't, you don't realize it, but it's people that are really close to you. And that's why it, you have to understand that it affects so much more. It's so much bigger than your own individual circumstances. You have to fight for more than the things that just affect you personally. Absolutely. And I think that's what's op- that's what my eyes are opening up to. You know, like I said, like, you know, I don't know any of those people personally. So while it's heartbreaking and sad and as a normal human being, of course, it's I it's infuriating. But until, you know, I don't want it to have to get so close to actually do something, you know, because that's not, you know, then it's too late. It's already too late. You know, we're born into this broken system or it's already too late. Being born into it, you're already, you know, behind the eight ball. You already have to do the work from day one. And yeah, like I'm 33. I'm only now figuring this out. Like, hello, so late. But, you know, better to start where you are and just spend the rest of your life trying, like working hard and doing it. Um, just start where you are with what you have and go forward. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of the protests, can you give us a little insight? And I'm sure, you know, everyone can guess, but what were some of the emotions you've experienced, not only with, at the protests, but just when you see the, you know, the breaking news of these murders on TV? Yeah. Um, I think the first emotion that I felt was probably anger. I was very angry that, you know, 
we're still experiencing this, that, you know, black men are experiencing this, that black women are experiencing this. It's just, it's truly heartbreaking. And, you know, it is infuriating. And it makes you, you know, it, it sounds harsh, but it makes you want to, um, you know, not be around, you know, you know, white people or, you know, it just makes you feel angry towards, you know, the, this race because we keep experiencing this, these same instances and it's like, we keep fighting back, you know, and, you know, we do it one way and it's not good enough. We do it another way. It's not good enough. And like our whole entire experience is just being torn down and not addressed. And so anger is the first thing that kind of I experience, but I'm not one to outwardly, um, I guess, put anger out into, you know, the world. Um, but yeah, that's the first one I felt. I, and, and, you know, I felt sadness, um, hopelessness. I was scared to go outside, um, overwhelmed, you know, with social media and just, it's just right in your face, even for the black community, you know, it's overwhelming. And then you have, you know, people who don't understand the experience, battering the experience and telling, you know, it's how we're supposed to feel. So, you know, you, you, it's a wave of emotions. Um, but at the protests, you know, I felt united, empowered, supported. Um, it's nice that despite everything despite all the adversity we're still able to come together for a common goal of equality and you know it's very peaceful and i think we we probably marched for like four or five miles and um you know it 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 feels good to have you know to to go there and feel like you have that community that support behind you Absolutely. And a couple of things, you know, there's a lot to unpack there, but a couple of things you touched on really spoke to me. Um, you say, you know, we try it one way and it doesn't make a difference. And I immediately think of Colin Kaepernick. I think of, you know, taking the knee. I think of the peaceful protest and how much hate and backlash and just like flack he took for that and how really no one, you know, Ryan, I don't know much about sports. So I was asking Ryan, you know, did any, you know, Captain America white quarterbacks do it with him like the Tom Brady's or you know other ones that I don't know the names of <laughs> um sports players <laughs> um I'm like did anyone you know do it with him and Ryan's like no and I'm like well they're on the wrong side of history because now you know four years later now we're seeing you know you, you know you don't want riots you don't want looting but we tried to do it peacefully and you gave me you know you gave me shit then and now you're giving me shit now okay. and it's like you know, what, what, what can we do? And I think of, you know, too, I saw, I look at the signs and I look at, you know, what people are writing on their signs to really, you know, they have that one message that they could put on that small, you know, poster board. And I look to see what people are writing. And I, and I saw one that really touched me that said, you know, Martin Luther King was a peaceful protester and you killed him too. So, I mean, like, what can mm -hmm. we do? Like, we've tried it, every, like you said, every which way and you're not listening. So, like, what is it going to take? Like, we're literally on our hands and knees begging for you to listen, for there to be policy change, for there to be justice. And, it, and I can see why anger is the first emotion, because how could it not be, you know? I mean, it's infuriating. It's over and over again. This is not an isolated incident. It's not like it's a one-off that happened one time. It's, it's happening day after day after day. And even still, even now, that even with some people making these changes, it's still happening, you know, even at the protests. 
And I think, you know, how could anger not be the first emotion? But what I respect about you and I, and I admire about you, because it's, I'm sure, hard to do, is you don't want to put anger back out into the world. So you take it and you internalize it and you think, like, how can I do this in a more productive way? But sometimes, you know, anger, and I'm sure many would agree right now in the black community, anger is going to be the way for a while because it's just you can't like I understand it yeah sometimes the it's fire is so big you can't put it out um yeah but I'm glad you know that you felt that sense of community at the protest and I know I think you protested with some of your siblings one day and then I think you went again right to another rally with mm-hmm. the, the rest of your family yeah we went um on Wednesday we went in Calabasas I went with my mom TJ um Dee, Dee and Joe um and Rio came for a little bit too so it was it was cool. It was nice that we were all able to um, be there. And and for the kids, it's so good because they can really see that you know there is a community out there that you know it. You have to come together for these um, you know kind of history altering moments. Like you said, what side of history are you going to be on? That's really the ultimate question. And so you know the kids, you know they they enjoyed it, and you know they really they have a stance on it. So it's important for them to learn at their young ages um, what it looks like to stand up for others as well. And then we went on, yes, we went yesterday on Friday. I went with my dad um, and my other siblings, my two brothers, my uh, stepsister, um, and then my fiance went as well. And, you know, we're all, we're all black. We all have, you know, black in us, you know, somewhere. And it's like, you know, these are us. It's us. These are the people that, you know, you don't want equality for. So we got to fight. We got to fight for our community and we're going to always stand up for what's right. And, um, you know, it feels good to be around around your people. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I've known, you know, your, your, your mom's children that I nanny for. I know some of your siblings and they're so young and as much and I've known Rio since he was born. So to think that he's at a rally at five years old is first of all, when I think of it heartbreaking that like 2020, a five-year-old needs to be out there doing this, but it's also so inspiring that your parents are really instilling so young the importance of, and you know, I I compliment TJ and Francis all the time for teaching compassion, patience, love, you know, coming together. They've always preached love and respect. Um, And I just think, you know, it's like you said, it's important for them to be there, even if it's for a short time, just to see what it's like to be part of their community, to use their voice um, and to know that they can make a difference at a young age. And I just think you're blessed with how many you have a lot of siblings, many younger siblings. (laughs) I think eight. Yeah, (laughs) I lose track. I think it's eight. Well, you have an yeah. amazing community just within your family, you know, and it's great that you 100%. can be out there with them and having these conversations and feeling that I'm sure, you know, that just overwhelming sense of community and support um, where it's something you don't always have. And it's something that is not always readily available. And, I, and it, it's, it sucks that it has to take, you know, such awful instances and, and murders, just call it what it is, to get, you know, to come together. Um, but I'm glad that you are, you know, ex- to balance out the anger and the overwhelm, like overwhelming feelings. I'm glad that you also were then able to have the community, family, and support. Um, that makes me feel a little bit better. Definitely. But speaking of your younger chil- uh, your younger siblings, what are your fears and your hopes for them? You know, growing up in this system, this broken system. 
you know, I have, you know, younger black brothers and, you know, I just fear that they're going to grow up in a world where they feel like they, they don't have a space for them. Like there isn't anywhere for them to kind of feel safe. And, you know, that's heartbreaking that, you know, in, even in your own country, um, you can't feel safe. And, you know, I'm sure one of their biggest fears, my biggest fears is, you know, being in a situation where you are pulled over by, you know, the police and, you know, the police are probably the last people you want to be around. And it, it honestly shouldn't be like that. And I wish we you know, we weren't conditioned to think that this is that violence is like the only way. Um, but I'm fearful, you know, ultimately that something will happen to them. You know, there, there are a lot of fears that uh, I feel for my siblings and um and you know, when you think they're about it, valid you fears, you. too, because, you know, if history teaches us anything, those fears are valid. You know, they're not just like an anxiety 100%. that you're making up in your head. You have that very valid concerns. Absolutely. And I mean, it's just growing up in this world. I mean, there are just it's a scary place. It's, you know, it, it can be an ugly, ugly world. And I just want them to feel like they belong somewhere. Absolutely. Um, well, anyone who thinks they know that it's children are too, you know, maybe they're saying my children are too young to talk about race. Um, some of these things are just getting turned on their head because, you know, if you are open to and willing to talk about race with your children, I think that's a conversation worth having. And Lexi said, you know, that her parents had have conversations with her about race as, as young as maybe six or seven. But um, I actually read something online. It was, if you want to see it on Instagram, it's at the conscious kid, but it was written by the Children's Community School. And it's a great age appropriate breakdown starting as early as one year old about how children perceive race and when it is appropriate to discuss race with your children. And there's actually many, many, many pieces of literature out there for children of all ages. There are articles flooding the internet right now with breakdowns. People are doing the work for you, writing these articles, compiling the lists. But just to give you a few, Anti-Racist Baby by Ibram X. Kendi. A is for Activism by Inosanto Nagara, Hands Up by Brianna J. McDaniel, and Let's Talk About Race by Julius Lester. These are just four of hundreds of books that address race. If you are concerned about maybe the um, developmentally appropriate age for it, you can it's all broken down for you. You can start as young as one year old, and it should be a conversation in everyone's household. This should not. This is not just a, you know something that black people should have to discuss. It is a white problem just as much because we are part of the problem. We need to have the conversations and do the work to teach our children so that the next generation will be better than ours. That's always the hope. Um, and anyone, uh, while I'm on literature, if anyone is willing to do the work, a book that I just started is Me and White Supremacy, Combat Racism, Change the World, and Become a Good Ancestor. Um, that is actually more like a workbook. I started listening to it in the car as an audiobook, and then chapter two was like, get your journal out. And I was like, oh, no, this is an at-home kind of book. <laughs> but anyone who's willing to really take that look inward, Me and White Supremacy um, is a great tool. Um, it does require work. There are prompts, but if you're willing to do the work, that's a good one. And if you are looking for an audiobook in the car, but you want to still be, you know, listening to something on this topic, you can also download White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Race by Robin Angelo. Um, and actually the Stacks podcast hosted by Tracy Thomas will be doing an episode about this book later this month. So I don't know, Lexi, do you feel like 
I mean, I know right now, I hate to say this, it's a quote unquote trending topic, but do you feel like people are now like starting to open their eyes? Some, you know, people are trying to make the effort? I think, I think so. I think people are in a position, they are being put in a position to where they have to take accountability. You know, it is, you know, this country was built on the oppression and suppression of minorities and black people. We have to admit that it's not fiction, it's fact. And it's time for, you know, it can't just be a black people problem or a minority people problem. It has to be, it's a white person problem too. It's our nation's problem. And so we need our, you know, you know, white allies to help us along with the fight because, you know, white people hold so many positions of power. And so we need allies. We need more people to fight the good fight. Absolutely. And so we need to come together and take accountability and do, you know, the right thing to, to move the needle forward. And now speaking as a white person, I know, guys, this is not easy. These are not easy conversations to have. It's not a good, it's not a pretty truth, but it is the truth. And, you know, the sooner you realize that, the sooner we can have change. And I just really think that, you know, it's almost more of a white person problem than anything else because we created the system with which this is allowed to live and be in this country. So really the the people who create the system have to be help, help be the people to dismantle this same system that is oppressing black people, people, you know, people of color. Um, I think the term is BIPOC, black indigenous people of color. You know, we have to be allies. We have to work. We can't just sit idly by anymore. You know, I mean, the feeder to the fire is just the real truth of it. And, you know, I know for me, I'm willing and able to do the work and I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to sit idly by any longer. But, you know, I think this this is the time you really have to work on introspection, like we said. But something that Lexi brought to my attention um, when we were sharing resources and things to share, and I'm going to have a whole, you know, itemized list in the bio. I know this is a lot to like take in all at once. Um, and I'm going to be throwing books at you and movies and resources and things, so I get it. Um, but it'll all be, you know, written out in a nice list for everyone to sort of review. But something that Lexi brought to my attention, which is again something that I didn't even think of, is that it's time to also learn about true American history. So, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Um... Uh, I just think that we need to address, like I said before, we just need to address the truth of America. And that starts, you know, in the education system. You know, we send our kids to school six plus hours a day. um, And, you know, we're not even being taught the real actual truth. Or, you know, we're glazing over, you know, the important things, the things that matter, the things that have built this nation and the things that are causing the issues that we're having now, you know, with systemic racism. It is racism is embedded in our culture. It is embedded in this nation. It's how this nation came to be. And so before we can move past it, we have to address it. We have to educate ourselves about it. We have to teach our kids about it. We have to have the tough conversations. And it has to move beyond, you know, this trending topic. It has to move beyond, you know, a few weeks or months. It's it's gonna take years and years to, you know, to even, you know, to fight the battle. And it it's gonna take time, but you have to be committed 
to fighting. It's going to take right. time and it's going to take work. And I think that's, you know, what's really going to set people apart about being performative allies by putting the black box on Instagram, by posting a few things on Black History Month. It's not just performative on social media. I saw a great quote today that just simply said, don't just be a good person on social media, be a good person in life, like carry that forward mm -hmm. beyond that's when, when it really matters. A hundred percent. So, you know, when Lexi brought that to my attention, I thought, I thought, well, wow, I was a third grade teacher teaching the youth about American history from a textbook written so long ago with, you know, like you said, a whitewashed, edited down version of what really happened, who was really involved, how it really went down. And I think oftentimes um, people think the history book is just that history, you know, but what people don't realize is this is history in the making. And I saw a great sign that said, if you ever wondered what you would have done in the civil rights movement or during the Holocaust, well, this is your chance to show what you would have done. Everyone always thinks, well, if I was alive then, I would have, I would have done that. I would have, you know, stood with the, I would have stood with Martin Luther King. I would have done the good thing, but now's your chance. We're living history right now. And in order for history to not keep repeating the same cycle, we have to do the work and, and teach our children to do the work and so on and so forth. Um, and I'll, I'm the first to admit ignorance. And when I was first seeing online people talking about systemic racism, I didn't even know what that meant truly. Um, so for anyone like me who's in the same boat, there was this simple video. Now, <laughs> Ryan and I always joke around, you gotta break it down for us. Pretend we're five years old. Like I do that with sports. Explain it to me like I'm five years old. I don't get it. Teach me. I'm here. I want to learn. I just don't know. And so they broke it down with a graphic in simple terms that even you know Rio could understand at five years old. Um, there's a great explanation of what systemic racism is. It was written, produced, and animated by Alex Sequoia. Um, and he actually has a really cool TED Talk too about how travel um, can teach you empathy, going to other countries, putting yourself out there and, and learning and, and being. But everyone should really check out this um, video about what systemic racism is, what it means, and the effect that it has and continues to have on our country and our, the members of our country. Um, also, too, because Lexi brought that to my attention, I found a few books that people might like to learn or to read to learn more. Uh, Lies My Teacher Told Me by James Lowen and A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. And both of these books are available online. And this is my new thing too, Lexi, and forgive me for taking 33 years to get here. I no longer want to be the person who just orders from Barnes & Noble or orders from Amazon. I'm really trying to be, make a conscious change. So I, I went ahead and found, um, you know, and now, again, people are doing the work for you. There's lists of, you know, here's 10 black-owned boutiques to buy clothes, to buy makeup, to buy... So I found a, a bookstore. And it's actually um, owned by Rachel Cargill, who's an activist and writer. And she has an online bookstore called Elizabeth's Bookshop. And both of those books I mentioned, Lies My Teachers Told Me and A People's History of the United States, are both available online. You can order it anywhere in the country. Even though the store itself is in Akron, Ohio, you can order it online. I think it's important that we not only amplify the voices of our black friends and family and, and people in our community, but we also shop you know, and support black artists, support black culture, support black business. I mean, this is where you really put your money where your mouth is, you know, like that you really have to walk Definitely. the walk, you know? Um, Absolutely. I have to get That's out of that huge. Amazon and out of that nasty gal or <laughs> Forever 21. It's, you know, the convenience will kill you, you know, but yeah. it, it, you got to do the research and, and look a little deeper because like you said, we can, we can find and support 
or these black owned businesses and put our money, you know, towards something that means something that matters. And especially sitting here having wonder filled week, I want people to support me. So how can I sit here wanting people to support me to listen to my podcast to to help fund my dream if I'm not going to do the same in return? You know, that's not being a true friend or ally. And if you think about it, if someone said, I'm supporting you, but you're not supporting me, of course you would make the change. So if no one in mm -hmm. your life is willing to tell you you're not doing it, look inside and ask yourself, am I doing it? Am I doing as much as I can to make a difference? Um, and I think that's key. Um, but right now, everyone, is the time because it's never going to be any easier for you to find some BuzzFeed or Refinery29 or Roundup of like all your favorite things that you'd be buying anyway. And just save them, you know, bookmark them and save them for later. Um, I think that's, you know, a small step we can all take and easy. We're shopping anyway. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I have a question too. What, it, what advice, now I know people are having the hard conversations or they're starting to. What advice would you give to someone who's trying to broach this subject? I don't know if you have a lot of experience that, with this or if you can speak to it because I know, you know, you have a family who's spoken with you about these issues for forever. Um, mm -hmm. But what advice would you give? I saw this viral video, I'm not sure if you saw it, with a girl arguing with her parents, a white girl arguing with her parents about racism and just sort of like in a screaming match. Um, mm -hmm. What advice would you give? Like, what would your approach be if you were in that situation where maybe someone in your life has just a fundamentally different perspective than you? You know, I think it. You have to. You have to come from a place of of love and compassion, and you know, it, it may it may be it may need to happen. You know, later down the line when everything has cooled down. You know, people have have different. You know. They have to just have these conversations at different moments. But I, I guess my advice would just be come from a loving place. Um, but at the same time, you have to realize, you have to understand that you could have this conversation until you're blue in the face and people still won't hear you. Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of, you have to find that balance to where, you know, I'm, I'm open to having these conversations, but there's going to come a point to where if you, if we don't see eye to eye and you're not understanding what I'm saying, it can't really go any further. And I mean, maybe you can, you can just love them from afar, you know, maybe, you know, they can still be your family and you can talk to them every, you know, whenever, but you understand what, you know, the foundational issues are. That's great advice because, you know, I was just talking to my younger brother. He's your age. And I feel like even though I'm not so much older, I'm 33 or 26, I feel like, I don't know, something about people your age, adults your age, like there's some fire. It's fire and it inspires me and it makes me want to be better and it makes me want to fight harder. But my brother is fighting sometimes so hard with people that are just not going to change. I don't know how to describe it, but... I tried to give him a piece of advice that's similar to yours, which is don't bang your head against a brick wall. Don't like, if it's only going to be a merry-go-round, you got to get off the ride because he's going to burn out. You know, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. So you have mm -hmm. to pace yourself before you burn out. And right now mm -hmm. it's like a big hot topic. And I know that people are going to just put everything out there, everything out there. But when everything settles down, you still want to have the conversations. You still want to do the work. But like you said, like maybe you can love people from afar because some people just won't change. You know, some people are just so set in their ways and they're not willing to see where you're coming from. So the advice I tried to give my brother is instead of banging your head against that same brick wall over and over again until you bleed out, 
Why don't you save that energy and teach someone who says, I don't really know what the problem is. I don't really get it, but I want to learn. I want to know. Like, can you teach me? And if you took that same energy and helped that person learn, then you actually made a difference. Whereas if you're just banging your head against that brick wall and bleeding, you're not helping anyone, and then you might tire out, and you might not be able to expend anymore. And another thing is right now may not be the right time you know like for you caitlin right now you you just you came to this realization you know and and maybe you know if we once we keep this movement going you know we're just gonna bring that many more people along with us and maybe then is their time that they're able to grasp and to you know hold on to this information and understand where we've been coming from the whole time you know it's not everybody's time right now and you know maybe that deserves a little bit compassion you know it's all you know individual and you know some people are angry but you have to understand where people are coming from absolutely and i appreciate that too you know the grace that you're providing people that may even not deserve it but you're giving that people that little extra bit of compassion that extra bit of grace to maybe you'll come around, I'll give you some time to like chew on it to, you know, it's a lot, you know, I can imagine, I, I can't like probably people who are double my age who are just hearing this for the first time or realizing or opening their eyes for the first time, they might just be like, whew, like dumbfounded and just like overwhelmed, not where, know where to begin. Yeah. And it might take them more time. Whereas my brother's 26 and he's always felt this way and he's always understood, he's always gotten it. Um, he's Mm -hmm. frustrated that it's taking them so much time and it's infuriating Mm -hmm. that it's taking to this point that it's getting to this degree of violence of senseless murders of protesting rioting whatever it takes like he is so um, like not able to understand how it could because it is so blatant and it's so obvious you know when you think about it right but Mm -hmm. you know when you're really telling someone to question the, the country they live in the system they live in and you know, really look inward and see, you know, your whiteness and your white privilege, and and what are you going to do with it, and what are you going to do to dismantle this um, oppressive system? It's a lot, and I think I, I really respect and admire that you're willing to give people the grace, time to take it in. I saw somebody put online: um, some people are protesting, some people are rioting, some people are using social media, but some people are being quiet, some people are listening, some people are taking it in, and as long as everyone's mm-hmm. trying, there's hope. I hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> right. <laughs> so with that said, with like the banging your head against the wall, how infuriating and frustrating it can be, how are you, Lexi, um, protecting your mental health? Like how are you taking this stress and this anger and everything in stride and, you know, taking care of yourself? Because it is a marathon, not a sprint. You don't want to burn out. What steps are you taking to protect yourself and your mental health? Um, I'm reading, I'm, I'm trying to read every single day. Um, you know, it just gives me, you know, like a quiet moment in the morning. Um, I'm doing yoga, you know, meditating, um, taking breaks from, you know, social media or the news. You know, I had, there was a point, obviously the first week you're just watching nonstop and it just, it, it does something to, you know, your mental health. So it's important for me to take a break from that. Um, I love playing Animal Crossing on the Nintendo Switch. Like, that is, like, that's, like, my zen time. I love Animal Crossing. Um, And then just spending time with, you know, my new puppy, Coda, and my fiancé. You know, that that 
calms me down too. And then just talking to family and friends who are supportive and who have, you know, have similar shared experiences, um, you know, that sense of support. I think that's huge because, you know, um, I, I apologized at the beginning of this episode that this conversation has taken so long. And I apologize to my listeners for doing them a disservice of not having conversations like this sooner and not using the platform that I have to have these conversations. Admittedly, I think it's because I was scared to, um, scared mm-hmm. to broach these subjects. And, you know, I, I almost feel like if this weren't going on right now, how would I approach would I be able to say to you, like, Lexi, can we have a conversation about race? I wouldn't want you to feel um, that that's all you can offer on this podcast. Like, of course, you could come on and we could do a whole episode about yoga. Right, we right. could do a whole episode about family or wedding planning or any of the other, like, amazing dynamic aspects of your personality. So I think, you know, in a way, I'm taking, you know, having this opportunity to ask you to come on to talk about this um, as, a, as, like, a little silver lining so that... You know, because I think sometimes people who are like well-intentioned white people, like like I said, you could be non-racist, but that's not enough. Sometimes, I don't know, I can only speak for myself, but I think it's sometimes scary to maybe like ask for the, ask the questions, like ask, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it. Like sometimes, um, like my, Ryan's best friend Kelvin is black and um, we've been friends since college. And so sometimes I know I can ask him questions because mm-hmm. it's a safe space, a person who's not going to judge me, a person who knows my heart and knows that I'm not coming from any place except ignorance and just not knowing. But it's, um, but I think, you know, maybe for other people, they're scared to have these conversations. So I hope that everyone can use this time and this opportunity now that it's a trending, quote unquote, trending topic. Now's the time to ask your questions. Now's the time to say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to admit this. I don't know. Can you teach me? Like, mm-hmm. what, do, what, what can yeah. I do? So I know that a lot of people online are saying, this is what you can do. So I wanted to just share a little bit, if you don't mind, about what people can do. And you can you know, add in, of course. Um, there are so many movies, programs, podcasts, books. We talked about some of the books. Um, but like movies, you know, and a lot of times too, I think I shy away from the movies that I know are gonna be hard to watch. The 12 Years a Slave, The Just Mercy. You, these stories, you know, these are true stories and, and things that happen, but sometimes I think if you, I think if you ignore them, <laughs> It's like, you know, not facing, not looking in that mirror that you don't want to look in. But I think it's time to, we have to end that. We have to, we have to watch it. We have to face it because until you face it, you can't face it head on. You can't change it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I know last night I watched Just Mercy um, and was sobbing. And, you know, these movies, this is just some of the things that you can watch right now. Um, Just Mercy and it's streaming for the month of June for free so you can get it on Amazon Prime so there's no excuse it's free it's there everybody's home <laughs> everybody's binge watching now's the time to binge watch things that can actually teach you something uh, The Hate You Give is on Prime Video and Hulu When They See Us about the Central Park Five on Netflix Selma 12 Years a Slave Dear White People which I already loved that show anyway um, Say Her Name The Life and Death of Sandra Bland 13th which is about the 13th Amendment loophole that allows the continuation of black enslavement in the form of mass incarceration. Um, those are just, you know, off the top of the head, a few things you could be watching to educate yourself and to, you know, see the reality of what's really been going on this whole time. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that list or? Um, I mean, the, that's pretty, yeah, there's, there's just a ton. Um, I don't have anything to recommend, but the resources are at our fingertips. And if you just, you know, do the work and try a little harder, you can literally sit on your couch and, 
you know, experience, you know, what, what happened, you know, you have, you have that privilege to be able to, you know, watch it on a screen and not have to experience it every day. Exactly. Just understand that. I saw that perfectly put on Instagram, which right now is like a big resource that I'm very thankful for. Usually social media can be very polarizing and overwhelming, but right now I think the Mm -hmm. tone on social media is actually like inviting me back in. I want to be on there. I want to see what people are saying. And And just exactly as you said it, it's a privilege to be able to learn about you know um, racial inequality and racism than to experience it. So let's you know take advantage of that privilege and you know use these resources like we said. There are podcasts um, and I'll put this all in the bio. I won't bore everyone with like naming everything and throwing lists at you, but there are things you can do. There are movies to watch, shows to watch, podcasts to listen to, books to read, places to donate. You know that's what it is too. Put your money where your mouth is. I think that's part of it. We're all doing Facebook fundraisers anyway. We're all doing it on our birthdays. Here, this person's birthday, they're doing a fundraiser. Why not consider doing it? It's, it literally takes less than a minute to set up a Facebook fundraiser. Why not do one for Black Lives Matter, NAACP, the George Floyd Memorial Fund, the Minnesota Freedom Fund, Reclaim the Block, Campaign Zero, Unicorn Right? And if you're confused about what these are, like Lexi said, it's at our fingertips. We're all on our phones. We're all binge watching shows anyway, and we're all stuck in the damn house. So why not just right and, make and you know use- and follow these follow these handles. I mean, it's as simple as going on your social media and following you know um, you know different uh, handles that are promoting equality or teach you about history or, or tell you how to amp- amplify you know your white voice. You know how to be an ally. Just you know it, it's. You, we have to take accountability and we have to demand more. Absolutely. It's almost like there's no excuse now. If you don't do the work, it's because now you didn't want to do the work. That's just, mm-hmm. the, that's just the real, honest, raw truth of it. You have choices. You have options. Yeah. Um, I think, too, you know, I was under the naive impression that because on my Wonderfilled Week Instagram that I was um, – showing images of uh, black women because I do like you know art and the pink and has like a little curated theme and I thought I was doing enough by putting like different body sizes shapes um, colors skin tones but when I really I can't even tell you I think I followed over a hundred black artists this week and it's embarrassing that like some of the art that I was putting up while it was an image of a black person it was drawn by someone who was white and so I'm like Mm -hmm. oh okay I thought I was I thought I was including diversity in my page, but I really wasn't. And some of the, it took the minimalist amount of work to find these black artists and to follow them. And their work is, you know, if you're still looking for your perfectly curated look of your Instagram, there's people out there that are drawing and creating and digital artists creating to fit your your image and your, you know, idea of what you mm-hmm. want to promote. And it's like, it was embarrassing, you know? Like, I was thinking, wow, it's so cool. I follow artists from all different countries and, you know, so many different artists and female artists, but really very few of them are black American artists and there are hundreds of thousands, you know, creating. And so let's offer them the platform and the opportunity to show their work and share their work. Baby steps, right? Yep, start somewhere. (laughs) Gotta start somewhere. Um, Okay, I have another question about... um, the controversial, well, I find it to be controversial, all lives matter debate. Mm-hmm. Now, I yes. don't think that black lives matter is a controversial statement, but I get infuriated when I see people write all lives matter. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it before I share mine. 
Um, yeah, you know, it is very problematic um, because ultimately it, it discounts and diminishes the focus of, you know, what we're talking about, which is the violence and racism, you know, that black people experience every single day. We, we understand, everybody knows that all lives matter, right? People's lives in general matter, but black lives are being affected disproportionately in every level, in every institution in America. So until black lives matter, all lives don't matter. Right. You hit the nail right on the head. And I mean, I've been seeing some of the most basic descriptions. If you were at um, a breast cancer walk, would you walk up to them and say, well, what about colon cancer? Well, what about lung cancer? Mm-hmm. Would you, if a house was on fire and they were putting it out, would you say, well, my house matters. Why are you not spraying water on my house? Right. I mean, like, I don't know, like going back to that, explaining it like you're a five-year-old, I don't understand how people don't see how problematic that is because, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if it was, if we're, you know, mourning 9-11 and we're putting up pictures of the, the Twin Towers, are we saying, well, what about the other buildings? Buildings matter. All buildings matter. But no, this is the one that no one ever has any issues with the examples I gave. But I just, I, it's, it just shows you like how deep rooted this is and how deep it goes because, you know, I have a hard time because I'm from a, a small town that is a big cop population and it's almost like a very big... Um, and respected career to be a police officer where I'm from. And so I was very nervous about posting anything that would insinuate going against the police. And I was having a hard time and like an internal struggle. And I talked to Ryan and Ryan's like, but listen, Caitlin, like, you know, there can be individual good people. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, but you know, if they're gonna sit idly by and allow those quote unquote bad apples to do what they're doing, that they're also bad. Like, have you ever heard guilty by association? I'm like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, but I don't wanna disrespect anyone. He's like, but Keelan, it doesn't matter. You have to draw the line in the sand, pick your side, and you're not attacking individual people. You're, you're attacking a system that's broken. And you know, I get it, you know, when you say, black lives matter and people get mad at that but then people say blue lives matter about the police and no one gets mad at that so Mm -hmm. you're saying that you have a problem with the word black because if you think all lives matter and you think blue lives matter but you get mad when people say black lives matter then black is the word that you have the problem with and that's where you have to look Mm -hmm. in and that's what ryan is really trying to teach me because you know he's he's not afraid he's not afraid to you know say his opinions and how he feels and to call out the injustices, and I was a little scared because of where I'm from, because I don't want to disrespect people I knew and grew up with. But Ryan said, but that's, that's what it is to be an, an ally, and that's what it is to be an activist, is to, to pick those sides, whether you lose people or not. You have to be on the right mm-hmm. side of history. And he, he's 100% right. And, and I think, you know, when, we, when I was talking about, you know, what would you do during the Holocaust or the Civil Rights Movement, people did lose friends. People did lose, you know, mm-hmm. people they grew up with, and that's okay. Because for the problem that you're trying to attack, it's okay if you lose people along the way. Absolutely, and you know, um, you know the the you know not all cops are bad. Is like you said, we don't say like the bad apples. You don't. We don't just say there's just a few bad apples. You got to throw away the whole bunch. You got to reconstruct the entire system. You know, and you got to understand what the system was created on. Right. You know to, you know, it, 
essentially started with trying to catch slaves, you know, trying to catch black people. And it has been infiltrated and it's just, there are no blue lives. Blue lives don't exist. So when people say blue lives matter, it's not, it's not the color of somebody's skin that, you know, disproportionately affects them in, um, you know, the world. So that doesn't even exist. So when people say that, it's not, that's not a great argument. Um, and, and I understand where you're coming from. You know, you have individual, you know, caught people that you know, but it's not about those individuals that you know personally. It's about the entire system. And like you said, if, you know, cops are going to push down a 75-year-old man and let him bleed out and the rest of the people, the rest of the cops are going to do absolutely nothing, then they're all just as guilty as the one who inflicted the violence absolutely they're all guilty they're all responsible and so if they're not going to speak out they're also a part of the problem just like we're saying if you're a white person and you're not going to speak out about black lives you are a part of the problem so it requires a complete dismantle of the entire entire system and that's why people say abolish the police Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a, a thing that people are um, having a hard time hearing because they think it's a, I'm doing my best and I'm doing my best and I'm respecting the badge and if I see something, I'll do something. But but Ryan said to me, no, Caitlin, like it's not like that. And he said, just like you said, blue lives isn't a thing because, you know, Ryan said, black lives matter because black lives matter. Black people matter and they're having, you know, they're the ones that are facing this oppression. Blue lives, cops chose this life. Ryan said cops can take off their uniform and go be, you know, whatever they are. Black people can't take a break from the color of their skin of who they are. So when you're trying to equate blue lives matter and black lives matter, it's not like you said, it's not even an argument because it's not even a thing. It's not um, some identifying thing that they were born with and that they will die with uh, um, part of who they are. Um, It's a choice they made. And Ryan's like, it's a choice they made. And if they're willing to go into that world where you know it's like a brotherhood and that you can't say anything and that if you're going to go against your brotherhood and your, you know, squad, that you're going to be, um, you know, shunned out or pushed out, then people aren't going to say anything. And that silencing of the people who would want to do good that aren't doing good, you're right. The whole thing has to go. If you did have a bad apple, you would throw the whole bunch away. Mm-hmm. It's just simple as that. Yeah. I know it's hard to hear and it's for a lot of people, but it's a sad reality. Um, Okay, so I think the most important thing that we should leave it with is uh, the last point is voting, you know, because nothing can change until there's policy change. Yeah, I mean, we have to get out there. We have to, the movement has to be followed by action, right? And action, we got to put action behind votes, right? Because votes, you know, hold hold seats in our office, which affect, you know, everything from the state level, the local level, you know, county level, everything so we really have to make sure that we get out to the polls you know we also have to do our research on these candidates and understand what their policies policies are and what they're fighting for and it's i'm going to be honest it's a lot of work it takes a lot of personal work nobody is going to do it for you so you got to make the decision on your own to do the work do the research and show up because it's not going to be enough if we just we do what we're doing now and it's not followed up by action. My biggest hope is that after everything that's happened, there change is going to come. Change is coming. And that's what, you know, where my hope lies.
And that's why I keep pushing forward. But vote. Vote. And, you know, I'm guilty of that. By, and, like, no longer are the days when you can say, politics aren't my thing, or let's not talk about politics. Let's just, you know, let's just leave that to the side. No. Like, these are the conversations we have to have. I'm no longer going to say, like, um, any, you know, because if you say, oh, po um, politics isn't my thing, that means that your life has been so privileged that you can float by or, you know, just, you know, coast and just whatever maybe, maybe because it's not directly affecting your life. But if you truly believe that Black Lives Matter, we don't want to see a black box on your Instagram. We want to see you at the polls. We want to see you doing the mm -hmm. research. We want to see you, you know, at rallies for politicians who are, you know, stand for what you stand for and your values align. And until we get the right people in office, it's just there could be no change. We'll be it'll be just a, too much of an uphill battle. So you, you're right. It's not fun. I mean, in a world where everything's so quick and it's instant gratification and you want things now and the Amazon life and everything's right now at, the, at your fingertips, this might take a little work. You might have to sit there and research mm -hmm. the town, the city and your country, you know, who's running for what office, what they have the power to do and, you know, who you're going to vote in and, and who you want to speak for you and to represent you and what you stand for. And but, you know, it's for a much greater good you know as as you know boring as it may be you know it's ultimately affecting people's lives you know people are dying because of the policies that we have in place and that's that's on us you know absolutely um well i think we covered do you think we covered most of our topics that we planned I think so. I think oh, yeah. so. So I think, you know, I'm going to take a page from TJ Jackson on his radio mm -hmm. show, The Power of Love, that you guys can stream. Um, it's live every Wednesday, 1 to 2. Check out TJ's podcast. Um, it's amazing. But something that TJ does that I want to adopt in this um, episode specifically is he allows his guests to have the last word, to leave it, you know, um, in their hands. And if my goal is to amplify black voices, then I want to do that right now by, you know, allowing Lexi to take the stage and to finish up our episode with whatever she thinks is fitting. So take it away, Lex. Awesome. Um, so I just want to leave you all with, um, you know, a paragraph from a book that I'm reading called Freedom from the Known um, by Jiddu Krishnamurti. As human beings living in this monstrously ugly world, let us ask ourselves, can this society based on competition brutality and fear come to an end, not as an intellectual concept, not as hope, but as an actual fact, so that the mind is made fresh, new and innocent, and can bring about a different world altogether. It can only happen, I think, if each one of us recognizes the central fact that we as individuals, as human beings in whatever part of the world we happen to live, or whatever culture we happen to belong to are totally responsible for the whole state of the world. So the work, it truly starts within ourselves, you know, with that man or woman in the mirror. Take the time to learn or relearn yourself, become aware of ourselves, allows us to become aware of others, loving ourselves allows us to love one another and having compassion for ourselves allows us to have compassion for others oh yes it will 